Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Passing Shot with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com on today's US Open semi-finals catch-up. Novak Djokovic is one win away from the calendar slam. Joe Salisbury wins Battle of the Brits. And teens Raducanu and Fernandez are set for a historic final. Kim, finals weekend is here. We are up early on Saturday morning to look back on all the action from the semi-finals in our round-by-round catch-up. We have had Novak Djokovic win in the night session in five sets over Alexander Zverev. We've also had Daniel Medvedev come through Felix Auger, Aliasim. And on the ladies' side, we have had Radicanu and Fernandez both win their semi-finals to make a battle of the teens ladies singles final we've also had some success as well in the men's doubles with joe salisbury so there is a lot to talk about and we're going to start with the men's action the men's semi-finals which were last night uh friday night for us and yeah i mean it was it, we, we, we're here aren't we we've got novak Djokovic, daniel medvedev it's completely the opposite isn't it to the the ladies draw this was the sort of final that we were totally expecting and Maybe the semi-final, bar one of the semi-finalists in, in Ojea Aliasim, we sort of predicted this was going to happen. And look what has happened two weeks later. We've got the final we were expecting. Yeah, and completely the opposite on the women's side of the draw. So <laughs> a tale of two very different uh, draws, I have to say. Um, yes, I think the men's semi-final results, I think, entirely predicted. Um, you know, we did think that Zverev would give Novak probably a tougher test than than their previous meetings at slams perhaps but we did I think generally the, the consensus was that, was that Novak would still come out on top um you know defeating him in the Olympics very different to doing it over five sets uh to get into a grand slam final so you know Novak comes through he was very impressive at you know the start of that fifth set he went promptly you know five love up so anyone's hopes of it being I don't know a dramatic last set tie break you know, something like that. It was sort of quickly, you know, snubbed out at the start of that fifth set. Novak was not having any of it. Um, he probably thought, no. right, I've, al- it's all- I've already let it go way too far. <laughs> <laughs> no, and we all know what a what a beast Novak Djokovic is when it does come to five sets. This is his own. This is his own environment. This is where he revels in most. And even though Zverev had that. Uh, you know that victory they lost. You know in their last meeting in the Olympics, that was in, in best of three. And when you do get to best of five, you do get the full Novak Djokovic experience. And interestingly, for for whatever reason, Kim, that that at the moment includes him always losing the first set. This is the fourth, 
fourth straight match he has dropped the first set which he did 6-4 I was uh I was trying to keep myself awake I was sort of following the the first set which kind of went went with serves Verev started very strongly and was able to keep pace with Djokovic and nab that break um late late on in in the first set and take it and you know it I guess it wouldn't have surprised anyone you know we've seen Djokovic have slow starts uh on multiple multiple times uh this tournament and it was the same situation here but <laughs> to be honest when I saw that happen I was just I was just a bit like oh he's just warming up now and he, he he came roaring back in that that second set I mean I think he was aided a little bit by Zverev's serve going a bit AWOL but um yeah it's still it's still a, a really odd really odd kind of situation with Djokovic still having this slow start but always we just always know he's going to finish very very strongly yeah it's weird actually he's dropped a lot of more sets than than usual I think I think he's only had one straight sets match actually this whole tournament. So whether that's going to mean that Medvedev wins the first set on Saturday or on Sunday, sorry, I don't know how many bets are being placed that Medvedev will do that. Um, he's channeling um, his inner Botic van der Zandje because he was, he kept losing every single uh, first set he was playing, but uh, ended up winning. He obviously, you know, just wants that little bit of extra challenge, you know, that that <laughs> adversity in each match. Mm. Uh, but yeah, he's actually been on court for longer than Medvedev has. So going into the final, uh, you know, Novak has, has spent about five and a half hours longer on court. Um, but, I, you know, we know he's, like, as you said, a beast, extremely physically fit. So I don't think that will play any impact on, on the final proceedings. Um, I mean, I... <sighs> I think this match was, I'm, I'm annoyed that Zverev couldn't get a bit close. I think he'll be disappointed that, you know, at the end, it just kind of went away from him so, so bad, so, so quickly. Um, I think he'll be a bit disappointed that it, it couldn't, that, that each set actually, there was no sort of, I, I'm surprised there wasn't even a tie break, Joel. I'm surprised at the set score lines more than anything, but I'm not surprised at the end result because Zverev still actually hasn't beaten a top 10 player. In I a know. slam. What is that so, about? When is, is that, that going to change? When is that going to happen? It's going to need to, if he wants to win a grand slam, that is something that is going to need to change. And it is still, it is still one of the most talked about stats, I think, in, in grads, in, in the men's singles in grand slams it is the fact Sasha Zverev still not beating a top 10 player at a grand slam, which is baffling. But at the same time, when you see, when you see his matches, you know, for example, this one against Djokovic, you sort of, you can sort of understand it. And it's something that he's going to need to change. He is getting closer. I mean, we've got to give him credit. He did take Djokovic to a fifth set. And the fact that he was able to win that fourth one, given, you know, you felt the momentum was with Djokovic. You felt he was just going to go and win it in, in four, com- four comfortable, uh, you know, four comfortable in a, sorry, in a comfortable four set victory, that didn't happen. So big, I think big credit there. But you did just feel that once he got to that fifth set, that's that really is Novak Djokovic territory of right. I've got you know I'm I'm out here to make history, and I'm not letting anyone kind of get in my way. And I do think that you know I think we see a lot of players they are kind of pressured by 
history and the potential to to chase records. But I think certainly in, in Novak Djokovic's case, you know, obviously Rod Laver, uh, the last man to complete the calendar slam back in 1969, uh, was in the crowd as well. But I think the the fact that he is aware of that, obviously, and I think he is motivated by that. I don't think it paralyzes him in any sort of way on court. And you just think that he is incredibly relaxed, which I think is very impressive. And I think it takes someone of, you know, very strong character, strong kind of mental desire to just kind of, you know, just continue match at a time. And despite, you know, all of this going on about you know, how tantalizingly close it is, you know, we're one match away now. The fact that I don't really have, I don't think we've really seen it kind of affect his form. Yes, there have obviously been dips and he's been losing those first sets, but you wouldn't say he looks like a man who is sort of uh, you know, restricted by the, you know, the historic nature of potentially what he is about to achieve. Absolutely. And we, we, we haven't perhaps been talking about it enough, like on our podcast, probably because like there hasn't been any surprises really with with Djokovic matches but like it is absolutely incredible like what he is on the cusp of doing you know he's gonna have the most grand slams of any person uh well male player I should say gosh Andy Murray would be having an absolute (laughs) field day of that faux pas um and like like you said first man since Rod Laver 1969 um it's just you know he's it's been a long time coming but probably inevitable for the last few years that he would overtake uh Roger and Rafa and I think like obviously I'm a big Rafa fan, but I totally appreciate what Novak's doing. It is, you know, it's so historic for the sport, and um, I guess the, the goat status will, well, we'll have to fully <laughs> shift to him, won't it? If you're going to get into the goat debate, but <laughs> I think, but a lot of people would already probably give it to him anyway. I mean, where do you think this match, this defeat, leaves Alexander Zverev? Because I feel like him more so than. All of the other sort of pretenders, Medvedev, Sissipas, feels like we've been talking about him in the same situation for the longest in terms of being on the cusp potentially of winning a Grand Slam, playing really, really good tennis and seems to have all of the, the you know, the tools, particularly with his, his serve, but still not, still not able to get there. And he's had some pretty, I think, devastating kind of five set losses, particularly at the the US Open with the, with this loss, you know that loss obviously to, to Dominic Team as well when he did reach the um when he did reach the US Open final. So it still feels like he's got work to do when in terms of that consistency and being able to yes have a dip in the match, but being able to come back from it. It still doesn't feel like he's fully able to do that. And I think when you come up against a top ten player. I think that he is able to win a set or even or even two sets but he's not for some reason able to to win three sets and that is obviously a reason why he is is not able to you know to to I guess more regularly kind of get to to grand slam finals but I think for him it's sort of interesting I think in the sense that he I think has got the talent there's no de- there's no denying that but at the same time it's just not it's just not coming off for him and in this match it obviously didn't come off for him and I, I, I'm sort of in like Alexander Zverev limbo in terms of I don't understand why this player can't can't do what he shows that he can do on the tour but at, at a Grand Slam. 
Yeah, I think he needs to wait for Novak Djokovic to retire, probably. Uh, is that the answer? <laughs> Do you think that is it? Like, it's just like a, it's just a fact of life that, or, or, or he needs someone to take out Novak Djokovic before he wins a Grand Slam. Do you do you see this being a? Uh, he still hasn't really had that that victory, has he? I mean, the fact that he's not beaten a top ten player just says everything. I think in terms of you know he he's going to he's going to need that. He's going to need the confidence to that for he's going to need the confidence from a victory like that to you know to to you know to win a Slam. And I mean, Casper Ruud's going to be I think at the top ten next week. I mean, it's it's just. It's not. We weren't even talking about like kind of the the big three. The fact is the top ten. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a sticking point. And you're not gonna. You're just not gonna win a Grand Slam, are you? With without beating the the best in the world. Well, thing is, Djokovic has sort of got it really like cushy now because he's the top ten, and you know Rafa's out at the moment. So is Roger. Who are the ones that can beat Novak in a slam? Where, where have they gone? Uh, you know, Dominic team, but he's obviously out for the rest of the year. We just don't know when when all those guys come back, what state they're going to be in, to be honest. So I, I just, I don't see how the current cohort in the top 10 at a slam are going to be able to do the business against Novak to win like their first slam. I think they're going to have to, yeah, capitalise on an incident or an injury or Novak having a really, really, really off day to be able to get through him. So, I mean, Medvedev may prove us wrong tomorrow. You know, he's he's produced like very good tennis this fortnight. He's only dropped one set on the way to the final. You know, he came through very comfortably, really, against FAA yesterday. Um, was down in that second set, uh, 5-2 down, but, but came back, saved those set points and uh, won that second set 7-5 and then kind of, romped through the third set quite comfortably so I just do feel like it's you know we've got a repeat of the Australian Open final from earlier in the year which I think everyone was really hyped at the time for and it just was quite a damp squib in the end it wasn't what we were perhaps expecting and I just fear that that's gonna happen again I know I keep saying that but I just I can't (laughs) see Medvedev upsetting the apple cart tomorrow it's funny because I think what this has underlined is Novak Djokovic, Daniel Medvedev. They are probably the two best hard court players, um, you know, hard court players on the tour. The fact that, you know, you know, we know, I think we know that with Djokovic through the, you know, through the seasons, but the fact that Medvedev has now reached both finals in the hard court slams, Australian Open, US Open, I think does, emphasize that and I think particularly in terms of the the manner of his victories this tournament yes there was a little bit of a slip up uh, against Bosch van der Zanschulp, uh winning in four but apart from that it's been really really routine and the semi-final against Felix Oja Alisim was no different and I think FAA was a little bit let down by his forehand there was quite a few unforced errors particularly from that wing and I think, you know, Medvedev, he's just like a brick wall, isn't he? And Felix Ojeda-Aliassime, I don't just don't think he had the variety or he doesn't have the variety yet, I think, to understand or to really test Medvedev in a way that was going to put him outside of his comfort zone. I mean, yes, it would have been a lot more interesting, I think, particularly for the fans, if it had gone one set all. And it really, I think, did turn on that second set where, Medvedev was able to kind of come back from a situation where you thought FAA was in the ascendancy and then you know who knows it might have been much more interesting but you just think that 
given the the, the defensive nature of of Medvedev or the, or the wall-like qualities he kind of possesses, the the lack of variety I think in FAA's game was one of the reasons I think this was such a. I think I think honestly I was a bit of a snooze set actually. I think that was one of the reasons for it, and whatever was coming Medvedev's way in that match from from FAA, Medvedev was just confident that you know he had the better of him. Yeah, and although Medvedev has been playing well, I don't think we can really assess how well he's been playing when he doesn't have or hasn't had the opponent to really challenge him like Djokovic is going to be doing uh, in the final. So, like, great, he's very consistent. He's come through quite comfortably against everyone, but he hasn't, like, hasn't really been tested, uh, to be quite honest with you, in the way that going into a big final against, you know, the the GOAT now, um, I just, yeah... I can't see him being able to suddenly raise his game. I think he's going to perhaps do what he did in Australia, which was get incredibly frustrated and kind of lose the plot mentally as well. And he's got to make sure he doesn't he doesn't do that. He's going to have to look back, I think, on that final because it is very much, uh, in some instances, it's a very much a like-for-like experience. And it will be fascinating to see what him and his team conjure up in terms of a plan and what they've learned from that experience at the Australian Open. I think, you know, it was quite insightful to hear that he said afterwards that he didn't think he had played his best match today, which I guess is a bit of a, you know, it's a bit of a a confidence boost in the sense that even though he wasn't playing his best, he was still able to beat one of, uh, you know, a very good player uh, in Felix Ojeaniasim in straight sets. But then I am sort of worried at the same time that he's going to need to, you know, he is going to need to raise his level you know, in the final and, Djokovic did have a test. He has had tests, I think, all the way through the, the competition. And maybe you could say that those are tests that he has brought upon himself by having a a slow start. Um, but certainly, I think that he has been in situations, I think, particularly with the crowd being against him and, you know, being saddled with all of the, the hype around the, the calendar slam. It's, you know, it, it's things that he has had to deal with, whereas Medvedev, has not really had any anything to do has had anything to deal with and it's all been very relaxed perhaps a bit too relaxed and he's going to need to get out of that uh you know mindset i think for the the final where he will go in i think a little bit as the the underdog whereas you know, he's obviously been the favorite all the way through up to this point and he's going to need to figure out how i think to reach a level that maybe we haven't haven't seen yet he hasn't even i don't think been pushed to see yet and even if Novak Djokovic starts slowly again um you know Medvedev is going to need to be able I think to obviously produce a really consistent match and you know it's not going to just be about the start it's going to be about the end and we know that the the longer I think a Novak Djokovic match goes on particularly in a Grand Slam final it it, it favors him so for Medvedev I think it's almost a bit like he's going to check his you know, as ridiculous as it sounds, it feels like he's going to need to try and win that in three sets or four, because if it goes to a fifth, that's Novak Djokovic territory. And there's not many people who have beaten Novak Djokovic in a fifth set in a Grand Slam final. I know Andy Murray has done it. I was there for it back in, in 2012, but it does not happen very often. Yeah, I feel like uh, we need a bit of a sits pass at Roland Garros situation mm. where, you know, Djokovic was quite tense at the start of that match and Sitsipas played very very well and was able to capitalise obviously it all 
you know, shifted in that third set, but and, and went downhill from there for for Sitsipas and his fans. But if Medvedev can perhaps pounce on any anything like that coming down the other end from Djokovic as he you know does approach history, he's bound to be he's bound to be a bit nervous, isn't he? It's bound to be on his mind a little bit. Um, and like you said, I think Medvedev has kind of got to to get perhaps yeah like a two set lead. I think if he just if it's like one set or he's one set, I I just don't I just. But I think, you know, in a way, yeah, if he goes in and thinks, well, I've got nothing to lose, I'm not the favourite. Perhaps in Australia, he felt like he had more of a chance. Perhaps people were bigging him up a bit more. Whereas I think if he just comes in and thinks, right, you know, there's no pressure on me because everyone's expecting Djokovic to win. So let's just go for it and not get tight in any way myself. I mean, we've seen before, you know, for example, Dominic Team, the, you know, the, the, the need, I think, for having losses in grand slam finals before being able to to pull out a victory we saw that with and you know andy murray as well the number of of finals losses he had before he won his his first one and for medvedev you know he's been in a final before in new york you know he had that epic match with nadal where he pushed him to to five sets uh before losing and I think again he will want to look back on that experience and and how again he was able I think to to bring it to someone where we weren't really I think expecting Nadal to be to be pushed that hard and again it might be a, a situation where he needs to look back at that match and rediscover I think those those memories and those motivations that really helped him I think push push the you know some of the the best of all time um to kind of come through but i certainly think with every losing experience he has had in a final he should have you know learned something from it and maybe this is his time that he can turn that loss into a victory i think the question is yeah how long does it take how many how many losses do you need um to sort of you know complete the complete the the puzzle for you so it might it still might be too soon given how you know how you know how strong Novak Djokovic is but it certainly doesn't feel like you know Novak Djokovic has been playing like absolutely amazing flawless tennis throughout the competition it still feels like at one point Djokovic is going to give Medvedev a chance and the first set is the, is the obvious kind of point, but I think we saw from you know the Zverev matches that that there will be other opportunities, and and again for Medvedev, it will be a question of of taking those opportunities and really I think being able to back it up with his his big serve and 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 not letting not letting Djokovic in, but uh, obviously that is easier said than done, and it will be a I think a fascinating contest to see how much Medvedev has learned and you know how how influenced Djokovic is by being on the the cusp of history. Absolutely. Let's hope uh, it's perhaps a three, three, you know, third time lucky for, for Medvedev fans for him to get his, uh, his grand slam. What are you going for, Kim? Before we move on, what are you going for? Oh, Novak in four sets. Cause you know, he's clearly going to drop that first set. isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I am going to go Djokovic. I'm going to go Djokovic in five. Uh, I agree. I'm not. Wouldn't be surprised if he drops that first set. I think Medvedev is playing a very high level of tennis, a higher level, I still think, than, than Sasha Zverev. And I think he'll be comforted by the fact that Zverev took Djokovic to five. And I think he'll be able to to match that. But I still just think that 
Medvedev is going to have to do something unspeakable, I think, to to really kind of pull it out of the bag. And I think for me, that would be winning a fifth set over Novak Djokovic. If he does that, then hats off to him. He's absolutely earned it and, and won it. But I just I just can't see that taking place. And I'm sort of expecting a another fascinating encounter. I reckon, you know, similar levels, I think, to Medvedev Nadal, uh, you know, when they played the, the US Open final. But certainly I think, yeah, I'm going to say Djokovic in five. It's probably going to be an absolute whitewash now, isn't it? Like two <laughs> love and one. So uh, we'll be eating our words. But let's see. That's tomorrow night. Um, but lo- lo- last night or last afternoon yesterday afternoon I should say I mean quite early in in the New York day because I I don't know why they put the men's doubles final on at this time it's a bit ridiculous yeah it's not given any sort of prime time is it no on a Friday as well normally we we see all the finals take place on either the Saturday or Sunday but yeah they just wanted to I guess speed through it but yeah it was a bit of a shame I think in terms of the scheduling nice for nice for UK fans though given the uh given who we had in the final though Yes, it was uh, Joe Salisbury and, and Rajiv Ram versus Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez. So whichever way it went, uh, you know, Britain's going to have a, a doubles uh, Grand Slam champion. Um, I, I did think Joe Salisbury w- would come out on top and that is what happened. Uh, 3-6-6-2-6-2. Rajiv and Joe's second Grand Slam title together. So I think he's now got the same as as Jamie in terms of men's doubles titles. I think Jamie's got, you know, more mixed uh, than Joe. But it's, I just think, yeah, it's fantastic that two of them got all the way to a, to a major men's doubles final. And that's, I think that's the first time that's ever happened in the open era that we've had like two Britons, um, you know, on opposing sides, I suppose, at least. Um, so yeah, absolutely fantastic for Joe Salisbury. Um, they served really well in that match um, and then came through very strong, you know, 6-2, very comfortable in that last set. Yeah, I was a bit of a, uh... I was a bit surprised actually by that first set. Sort of took me aback. I was I was actually expecting Ram and Salisbury to come just come through in straight sets, given the the level that they've played. But um, yeah, obviously Jamie Murray and Bruno Suarez are very game competitors. They've been in this situation before. I think that's what made it so compelling. Um, and it was I think quite fitting actually. It went to a decider. We've seen, you know, this was the first time in twelve years that the the men's doubles final had gone to a, a deciding set. Um, but you you did feel that once they got going with with Ram and Salisbury, in particularly on their service games, it, they just did not look like they were going to get broken at all. Um, they played so well, uh, you know, on their serves, and yeah, they just sort of pounced when they had the the opportunities present themselves on the uh, the Murray and, and Suarez serve. So yeah, it was a very good it was a very very good victory. It was very good atmosphere as well. I didn't realise, Kim, Bruno Suarez, he's like growing out his hair. I always associate him with like a shaved head sort of look. And um, to be honest, I think that look is a little bit better for him. I'm not quite sure about him growing his hair. But uh, yeah, for Joe Salisbury, that was very, very impressive. And it doesn't feel like they are done yet. You know, this is, this. I think certainly, I, sin- I certainly think that they have the capacity to potentially win all four men's doubles uh grand slams they've won two of them now australian open us open so they obviously love playing on the on the the hard courts but i certainly think there's potential for them to as a team to to win all four and i certainly think also for joe i think that i think that he will be overtaking jamie murray in terms of slam slam titles in, in men's doubles 
Absolutely. I think there's definitely capacity for them to go and on and win more. You know, they've been a team for a couple of years now and that partnership has really gelled and, and blended very well. And yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Joe Salisbury is obviously our top doubles player at the, at the moment. And I think he could, well, could he become our, you know, definitely the, the best doubles player that we've had in well, in our generation, I suppose, at least. But I think we're just really lucky that we've we've got quite a few names out there in the doubles and obviously the Skupskis and what have you. So, um, you know, it, it's quite weird because Joe Salisbury is also in the mixed doubles final, um, which is going happening later on today. So him and Desiree Krawczyk have made their way into another mixed doubles final. They won uh, Roland Garros together and Desiree won Wimbledon with, with Neil Skupski. So she she's going for three slams in a row, which is fantastic. So we've actually had, what with Emma, we've had four Britons in Grand Slam finals. You know, there's the potential for us to win three slams this tournament, which I don't think, when was the last time that that happened? It must I have know. been many, many moons ago. So, I mean, let's see. We've, we've got one out of three so far, <laughs> but we'll, we'll see what happens today. But I do think, you know, Joe Salisbury is certainly the favourite going into that mixed doubles final. Um, they're playing Aravalo and Olmos. So um, I, I have to say, I haven't seen them play before. Obviously, they've been playing well to get to the final, but um, that will be on before the women's final tonight. So I'll definitely be tuning in and uh, cheering Joe on to go for the double. Yeah, I mean, Joe Salisbury has been playing so such good tennis this week in the doubles. The fact that he's got the chance to win the men's doubles and the mixed doubles, this is a testament to, I think, how well he is playing. So it will be, hopefully, yeah, he'll be able to, to get it done. You would expect them maybe to be going in as, as the favourites there, given their form uh given their form this season but yeah it's been a great it's been a great tournament um for for british tennis and i actually think joe salisbury and jay Rowe have got a little bit under the radar because of the the emma radicani mm. story but uh it's been it's been no less impressive and they've really i think capitalized particularly in the men's doubles for both of them capitalized on that that shock early exit from uh mektic and, and pavic Yes, that is true. Yeah, because they went out in the first round, mm. uh, much to everyone's surprise. Um, that, yeah, otherwise they, you know, you would have thought that they would have been hands down favourites, um, to, to win that. So yeah, absolute capitalization on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but let's, um, let's take a quick break now. Uh, we're going to come back in the second half to look back on all of the women's semi-final action. So do not go anywhere. This is The Passing Shots with Joel and Kim, supported by DownloadTennis.com. And now we're going to look at the women's semifinals, which I think it's fair to say provided a bit more drama and excitement than the men's semifinals. You know, I I, <laughs> I have to say, I didn't stay up for these because they were in the middle of our night and I had to go into the office and I was, I just, you know, I, I'm getting older now. I can't do that. <laughs> so I've watched them back. Uh, but I woke up and as we've said before, we know we always check our live scores apps. And I was thinking, oh, it's probably, you know, Zachary Sabalenka. And then I was just flabbergasted um, to see the actual results. Uh, the fact that both Raducanu and Fernandez, both teenagers, have made it way, have made their way through to the final. Um, you know, there's going to be a first time Grand Slam winner. It's going to be a teenager it's it's gonna be either one of them is probably we would not have expected to have this final but I actually think it's probably the women's final that I've been most excited about for years um I can't wait for tonight 
I think in, in Great Britain, everyone is buzzing for tonight. It's prime time, Saturday night, 9pm. Uh, yeah, lots of my friends have been getting in touch with me talking about Emma Raducanu and this coming out of nowhere being absolutely amazing for British tennis. And it's really, I think, gripped the nation in a way that I think we have, we've seen, uh, you know, we've seen at Wimbledon, I think, you know, particularly around British fans. It's amazing to see it at the US Open because this is obviously a tournament that is not in not in London it's in New York City but the fact that it's still been able to grip the nation in a way that that Wimbledon has has been absolutely amazing and just talking about the the victories we had fought for them it was quite a contrast from Raducanu to to Fernandez you know Fernandez coming through in a another three set tussle uh with a, a really experienced opponent in terms of Sabalenka but for Raducanu it was another dominant victory 6-1-6-4 that first set was unbelievable she raced out into a five love lead there was no slow start that I think we've seen in a, a couple of her previous matches nothing nothing was happening in in on that front and yeah she just she was just she's just kind of picking up where she left off and it was very very impressive and it was a little bit different I think you know that start of the, the first set because Sakari did have lots of breakpoint opportunities. I think she had like seven in total across Raducanu's first two service games. So again, she was faced with some sort of adversity earlier on. She was able to come through it, which was again, very, very impressive. And from then on in, she didn't really look back. Yeah, it's been, like you said, a slightly similar story in some of the other matches. And I do wonder if if Emma hadn't have been able to uh, save all those early break points, you know, I'm sure going a breakdown would have been fine. Like we've seen her come back from that before in other matches, but I'm, I'm still concerned, like going into the final, you know, it's been fantastic that she hasn't dropped a set all tournament and she's come through in, in straight sets, but having not had that adversity of even being a set down or dropping a set that can mean that you're a bit cold when it comes into the final and being faced with that situation. Um, Although, having said that, you could just go and do an Iga Svantec and absolutely blitz your opponent in the final off the court, which I'm hoping that Emma will be able to do tonight. Um, but yeah, I mean, that second set, uh, if we just look at that one, you know, that was a bit bit closer um, in the sense that Emma, you know, went a sort of early-ish breakup and, it, you know, she actually had, you know, opportunities to... Could have to been a double break. Double yeah. break, but... I was always sort of conscious of the fact that, you know, don't let Zachary get back into this. Just keep holding your serve, which she did. And um, in the end, I think Zachary won less than like a third of her return points in the match. Like Emma was serving really, really well. And just knowing that you're hard to, to, to get broken, like that gives you so much more confidence knowing that each time you step up to the service line, you know, to serve, it's just gives you that extra kind of um like comfort blanket almost um against your opponent yeah it yeah definitely it didn't it didn't feel like against you know Benchich where she had you know Benchich was was playing well and was getting to love 30 quite often I felt in that in their second set but here it felt a little bit more calm a little bit more comfortable for for Radicanu and she was just able to go because she had those she said that comfort blanket she was just able to go out and attack the the Sakari serve and Sakari didn't really know what to do with it. And she said afterwards, you know, she wasn't able to put her 
best game together, a little bit like, um, you know, Belinda Bencic in, in her words. And I think, you know, that's again, credit to, to Radicanu and the way that she, she plays her game and has that high tennis IQ. She knows what she, she knows what she's doing on a court. She knows how to, I think, suffocate her opponents in terms of what their, um, you know, what their strengths are. And for Zachary, she just hit too many unforced errors um you know they both hit similar amounts of winners you know Radicanu hit 16 winners Sakari hit 17 winners but Sakari hit 33 unforced errors and I think that's again massive uh you know plaudits to Radicanu in terms of how she kind of controlled the match and controlled the the rallies in terms of putting Sakari into spots that were forcing her to create the, the errors so again really impressive victory it's caught the imagination and the attention of everyone in the UK including Kim the royal family who uh all who are jumping all over it so I'm sure everyone in the uh, Buckingham Palace will uh be watching tonight or from where on for from, from or from wherever but uh yeah it was it was very very impressive very very impressive from her I mean just on on Sakari this was her second semi-final she got to the the French semi-final as well I think you know she was what a, a match sorry a point away from reaching the final and again it was another you know situation for her where you'd sort of say that she might have thought I've got you know I've got a chance here of, of getting to the final I mean do you see this as as Radicani just you know just continuing and opponents just not really being able to understand or figure out the, how to how to defeat the Radicani game or do you think kind of Sakari did you know will be upset I think we're in terms of not being able to to bring out the to bring out the what she is most known for because in that Pliskova match she looked more of the complete player that I thought she was going to give uh, in terms of a challenge to Radicani but that just didn't seem to to materialize yeah I, and I also sort of what she said after the match um you know she was she was very complimentary about about Emma but she also did say you know she didn't play her best today and she was kind of saying that she also had spoken to Belinda Bencic who who also said that she hadn't played her best and it's like are they trying to take something away from Emma are they just I don't know I just felt that was a bit sour grapes but um yeah, I think Zachary you know obviously she has a British coach as well which is quite an interesting dynamic um yeah, I do. Will she ever get to that that next step going into the final? I think against another player tonight, you know, it may very well have been different. But I just think she does still need that extra, that extra something. I, I sort of you can't sometimes define it, but she's a very solid player. But like with Svitolina, I feel like they're kind of in the same camp. You know, solid, but not. Um, you, when you come up against someone who is just playing fearless tennis and going for it's it and hitting the lines, the, yeah, not yeah, able to upset exactly. the rhythm, and it's sort of like you're you're there for the, you're sort of like there for the journey and sort of waiting for a dip that doesn't, maybe doesn't necessarily come. And yeah, we've, I mean, just talking on, on Radicani, I mean, she's the first qualifier ever, male or female, to reach a Grand Slam final, which is incredible. Uh, she's the youngest British major finalist in 62 years, first British woman to reach a major final in 44 years, and the first British woman to reach the US Open final in 53 years. Kim, she's just literally smashing all records, I feel, like left, right and centre. And the, th- the stat I love most is the fact that although Radicanu and Fernandez both got to the final, even though Radicani has played three more matches than Fernandez, having come through qualifying, she's pl- she's been on court the less the least time, which for me is 
amazing and just underlines i think how dominant her her victories have been she's still not been taken to what a tie break i think you know in the the main draw she's not been pushed beyond what six four seven five so it has still been just crazy crazy comfortable up to this point which which does make us think like are we are we living in dreamland yeah, it's it's remarkable. I mean, we were getting all excited about Joe Conter making those semi-finals, but you know, and to have a British woman in the final and, you know, someone that's just kind of burst onto the scene really. I mean, I know people have been talking about her, you know, in British tennis circles for a few years that she was very promising, but I don't think anyone would have expected her to have done what she's done and um yeah, I do think that it will help, you know, just being a bit fresher because Fernandez has come through in quite a lot of three set battles and I do think perhaps that will tie it like will that make her a bit t- more tired for the final will it make her it could catch up with I mean it could yeah, catch, up, can it with catch up with her with the occasion but then on the other side of that if it does go into a third set or what have you she's much more primed to have overcome that adversity and to, to kind of get that clutch win like in a last set tie break so it depends on how the match I think maybe goes like the first set early days but yeah, it's just, I think they played as well. Um, I think Wimbledon Juniors a few years back. Um, and I think Emma <laughs> won in straight sets. Uh, <laughs> but whether that, you know, anything could be taken from that, I don't know. But they have played in the juniors of a slam, I think, a few years ago. I mean, just talking on Fernandez, uh, as you said, came through in another three set battle against Sabalenka. 7 6, 4 6, 6 4, number two seed. It was her third top five win of the fortnight so another impressive victory particularly that first set that first set I think was so important she had to save set point and she came through in the the tie break and I think Sabalenka will be disappointed about how that first set I think got away from her and the fact that Fernandez was able to kind of claw it back and I think it could have been a, a different story if Sabalenka just had a little bit more composure and was able to um, you know, to 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 take that first set. I mean, she started so dominantly, did Sabalenka. She won the first twelve of fourteen points to go. You know, three love lead up in a you know up in a flash, and Fernandez really didn't know what what was going on. Um, but Fernandez again, she's got that tenacity and and using the crowd to her advantage to get herself back into it. And I think that really helped her, particularly in that first set. And you do sense that given the the situations I feel like Radicanu has been in, in terms of going up very early on and really starting very quickly against her opponents in that first set, I don't think that's going to phase Fernandez in the sense that she will have been in this situation before. She was in this situation in the semis against Sabalenka. So um, I think she'll take a lot of, um, you know, she'll she'll rem- she'll remember those experiences to be like, yeah, you you may be a break ahead, but you know, I've got I've got the belief and the confidence that I can I can come back and potentially nab the set because that's what happened in the the first set of the of her semi final. Yeah, and just being able to save so many of those break points um, was was very impressive, and and just performing when it really really mattered, and you know, Sabalenka she kind of unraveled a little bit at times, you know, hitting a few double faults, 52 unforced errors, you know, that is perhaps she was a bit surprised by Fernandez, just like so many of 
of the other players that have been and I think Fernandes has been also another breath of fresh air like we we knew she was a talented again we knew she was a talented youngster and teenager but I did not expect her to do <laughs> to do this go all the way to the final um it's it's remarkable really and obviously the she's had such a difficult draw the players that she's had to beat you know has been a higher caliber and ranking than than the players that Emma's been up against so does this make her run more impressive than Emma I, I don't know they're, they're both impressive in their their own ways and with their own merits so I don't, don't really like to to compare but um mm. I don't think you can compare them they're just so they're just so different uh you know they've both obviously beaten what's in in front of them but it really does just kind of stop there and and for Fernandez against Sabalenka I think in terms of it was quite I felt for me it was quite a similar matchup I think to to Osaka in terms of the you know the power game and really being able to deal with it. And again, it was another uh, example, I think, of Fernandez being able to to deal with that power so well, which is very impressive, I think, from a, a teenager in the sense that they're not, I guess, you know, she's not the most obviously physically imposing player, but at the same time, she doesn't need to be. And we've seen that, I think, before with other players like, you know, Simona Halep against Serena Williams at, at Wimbledon, showing how you can overcome p- power and it doesn't necessarily have to be the the way to win at Grand Slam. And it's another example, I think, of a player who is has a bit more of bit bit more tactical and is a bit more maybe of a shrewd operator and again has a very smart tennis brain, I think, like Radicani to understand it's like, yep, you're bringing you're bringing this to the table. Sabalenka, you're bringing the your, your power, but I know I know how to deal with that, and the fact that she is able to execute um, and combat that, uh, you know, the different types of games that, that she has faced, whether it's the power game, wherever it's the more of the variety game, the Kerber game, for example, um, whatever it has been, she's just been able to find a way to fight through. And although she has, you know, dropped drop sets and you know she does I think go through more I think we've seen particularly in the later rounds more um momentum changes than maybe Radicino has done um she's just find found a way to to will herself over the line and I think the crowd will be an interesting factor I think in the final because they have been such both been such darlings I think of that the US Open crowd thus far I think they're going to be a little bit torn in terms of who they're going to be uh who they're going to be cheering for yeah, I, I think Fernandez will probably have just the bit of the edge on the support just because of, you know, North American, uh, I guess, edge. But, you know, actually, Radicani was born in Canada. So everyone's sort of going on about the fact they're, you know, both born in Canada. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're just going to go wild for it because it's such an unexpected final. Yet it's sort of so brilliant. And I hope we get a good match. Um, whether, you know, Fernandez is going to have an answer to kind of Emma's you know, powerful hitting. We know like she she is dealing well with players who have a very powerful game. Um, Emma does have a lot more court craft though as well than someone maybe even like Sabalenko, who we know we've said before is still a bit one dimensional. So oh it's just it's really hard to predict. Part of me is like, yeah, Emma's gonna win in straight sets. And then I'm like, <laughs> no, I think Fernandez in three, which is, you know, what they've both been doing throughout the tournament. So it's it's really fascinating. I think going into it is it around 50-50? You know, the odds of Fernandez got the slight edge perhaps just because of the calibre of the opponents that she's played. Um, and if it does go, if it does go longer, Fernandez has, has kind of been there, done that, got, got through that. Um, I just hope that 
yeah, I just hope that both of them don't have like nerves and that they can just go out and play their game from the word go. Yeah, I mean, they both feel, I get the impression they both feel quite relaxed, um, you know, given the, given, particularly given Radicali's on match press conferences afterwards, they've just been so chilled and, and laid back. It really does feel like there are shades of, you know, Maria Sharapova when, you know, she broke through, uh, you know, Wimbledon all those years ago, um, in terms of the, the teenager, um, kind of story. Um, I think what is interesting, I think for Fernandez is that, she will be going into this match not as the underdog. You know, the last four matches, I think, you know, she has certainly been going in as the underdog. No one really expecting her to come through and win. You know, Osaka, Kerber, Sabalenka, all seeded players much higher than her. And, you know, this final, this is, that's not going to be the case. This is going to be, this is not kind of youth versus season pro or you know experience this is going to be youth <laughs> this is youth versus youth and that is a you know that is a different um you know when you're playing you're playing someone who is probably going to have the same sort of you know freeness i think from you know having not been here before and no expectation i think that could be really fascinating and how fernandez i think deals with that change of opponent from uh, you know, experience and expectation on them to someone who has been in a similar situation, um, I think will be an, a, a factor in terms of who comes out on top. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it's just a hallmark of a new era as well. You know, both teenagers and I guess their ages combined is probably like Serena Williams's age. So I think it is such a maybe a telling moment that we have like the you know the the era is changing and this is the future um i mean what's your final prediction then joel are Whoa. you are you gonna go for emma I, I feel like i don't want to predict her in case <laughs> i sort of put the kibosh on her yeah i'm sort of nervous about that and we all know at, at passing shot hq we we say predictions and the opposite happens um so i think actually in in that respect i'm actually going to go for fernandez fernandez in maybe fernandez in three but no i'm i'm I still, I'm, I can't not back someone who has had such dominant victories. Um, I, yeah, I, I understand that Fernandez has had to play better players, but I just think wh- whoever's been in Radicani's path, I don't actually think it has mattered really that much who who they have been. They've all just been along for the ride, and there are obvious parallels with Igor Fiontek's run at the French Open. So it has happened before, and I just can't. It's just a part of you, Kim, that's just like, it's just been dominant all the way through. And I I have, I see no reason to understand why necessarily that would change. And therefore, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, under my, under my breath sort of thinking that this is, this is a, a moment for, for Raddy Candy. This is a moment, I think, for, for British tennis to, to have a new, player arrive on the scene absolutely i'm i'm gonna go fernandez in three as well but um okay. obviously is that obviously more I, in is that more because you want the opposite to happen or do you generally yeah mean? basically although i do think <laughs> that that might be the more realistic scenario but i hope it's a good match regardless i look very much to tuning in um tonight and Oh, I think I'm going to enjoy it more than the men's final. Let me just say that much <laughs> <laughs> especially as a Rafa fan but no mm. <laughs> um, i mean, 
just on the uh just moving on to the ladies doubles we have got our final set uh goff and mcnally uh have got sam stozer back in a grand slam final which i i don't feel like that is that hap- when was last time that happened in ladies doubles really impressive uh with zhang of china uh they came through uh their semi-finals bit unfortunate i think for, for goff and mcnally they were uh they came through against dabrowski and stefani um in a retirement stefani twisted her leg at the net it wasn't particularly nice to see on the on the tv screens in the in the tie break um so they came through in really i think unfortunate fashion i think goff was close to tears actually in the the interview afterwards it was not a nice way i think to to go through and uh yeah but but we're but but they did and i guess yeah for goff what do you reckon goff mcnally stoza where are you where are you thinking for that Oh, I'd quite like to see Goff and McNally win. You know, they've been um, a really good doubles pairing for a few years now since they've kind of both come onto the tour. And uh, yes, they were very lucky in that semi-final because Louisa Stefani had that nasty, nasty sort of twisted leg situation at the net and had to retire. But um, yeah, I think... She has been on Twitter since to say everything's okay. Don't worry, guys, I'll be fine. So it's, it's not, it doesn't sound like it was the end of the world. But in that moment, yeah, it was a bit, it wasn't nice to see absolutely i know hopefully she she is okay um i think yeah goff and mcnally i'm gonna i know you love sam stoza though joel so i think you might be a bit gutted if she uh loses oh. yeah no uh yeah i i yeah, I, I don't know i'm i'm a bit non-plus but yeah i guess goff and mcnally be quite fun uh yes but it's, it's great to see sam stoza back in a, a ladies doubles final um so yeah we'll see how that we'll see how that plays out we'll see how the ladies singles final as well plays out uh tonight and we'll also see how the men's final plays out tomorrow night so i think we're going to wrap it up here for our semi-final round by round catch up remember if you want to stay up to date with all the action at the US Open, then make sure to subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Overcast, CastBox, Stitcher, and all good podcasting platforms out there. You can also listen to us on the DownloadTennis.com app. And if you want to show your support for the show, then why not leave us a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts? And you can follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Passing Shot Pod. So do give us a like and a follow if you don't already. And let us know any thoughts and feedback uh, that you may have. Uh, you can also reach us via email, PassingShotPod at gmail.com or via our website, www.thepassingshot.co.uk. And we will be back on Monday at Passing Shot HQ to look back on all the finals actions. Very exciting coming up. How is Radicani going to get on? Is Novak Djokovic going to win the calendar slam? Uh, we've got, we don't have to wait long to, to find out. So I hope you can join us, uh, on Monday where we'll be recapping, uh, the finals as part of our round by round coverage of the US Open. So I hope you can join us for that and we will see you again soon. <laughs>